Welcome to Playing for the Master, a podcast on live theater, creativity, and the arts emerging from the Christian faith. The official podcast of Master Arts Theater in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Come along as we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the people, productions, and ideals behind Master Arts Theater. We are your hosts, Tim Van Bruggen and John Wilson. Thank you for joining us. episode of playing for the master um i am your co-host tim and i'm john and, and you're gonna take your co-host hat, hat off, off yeah. again i'm getting deja again. vu there's a yeah. glitch in the matrix i feel like two percent of our audience will understand that reference but that's for you two percent of our audience i would be surprised if it's even two percent but anyway yes because he is actually the director of our summer show, so he has to not be co-host again. I'm getting the You're shirking your responsibility. If I do this one more time, do I even count as a co-host, or do I just count as a permanent? I don't guest? know. Maybe I'll have to find a new co-host. <gasps> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking about the last show of our season of Identity. So we have with us here, um, the director of the show, John Wilson. No longer my co-host, now the director and a guest. <gasps> Only temporarily now. Only temporarily. And we have the lead, which is also John's brother, Sam Wilson. <laughs> and we have two longtime <laughs> folks from Master Arts. We have Kathy Van Lopik, who's in the show. You're playing who? I'm playing Ida. And I can't remember her last name because we never... Oh, I don't... They never yeah. say the Cannoli last names in the script. Like <laughs> it is not Cannoli. They're in the synopsis. The they but are they're the not synopsis. in the script, they're in the which synopsis I found interesting. and the cast list, it's but never Ida mentioned in the script. Gianelli. Gianelli. Yes, and his, yours is like Castiano or something like that. And then like, we have... Christian. Christian. John Miedema, who this is his first time on the podcast. And this is Sam's first time on the podcast. Ooh. But not Kathy's or John's. No. Um, John is also our current chairman of our board of directors and has directed here. How many times have you directed? Not that much. Like three or four, right? And how many times have you? The very first time I directed. We we directed together. Little House on the Prairie. Yes. Right? Right. Very first time that I ever, which was great. Oh, this is an interesting group because I also think this is the first time that we've done a podcast episode with people who are are basically, this isn't your first time. Everybody here has been in multiple Master Arts shows. So so that's, which is an interesting, unique point of this podcast. But anyway, so we're talking about Over the River and Through the Woods. And... We're also, I realized we haven't really emphasized this in the other shows, but I'm going to today about the idea of identity. Mm. Oh. Because I feel like it's a really big thing Mm -hmm. in this one. Um, I've only, I had seen this show 20 years ago when Holland Community did it. Mm. Oh, did they? Yep. Um, Dave Grease played Nick. Uh, I can't, I think Ruthie Burkholder played one of the grandparents and I can't remember who played the rest. Um, so I was, I have seen the show, loved the show. Um, I, it was, I was having fun listening to you guys and it was bringing back wonderful memories tonight. So it's wonderful. 
So the first question I have, first of all, for John, mm -hmm. this is John's first main stage Better show that you've John directed. You're talking to. Oh gosh, that's right. We have it Big is, John uh, and Little John. No, it's Young John and Old John. No, John. it's. <laughs> John 1 and John 2. Okay, we'll just use last names. We could do John and Jahan. He spells Jahan. it wrong. Jahan. wrong. He spells it wrong. No, I spell it right for being Jonathan. Which, yeah, you could call me Jonathan and him John. That so works. John Wilson, <laughs> it's John Wilson's, my co-host, hits his first main stage production that he's directed. Now, he's mm -hmm. directed, he's helped direct some traveling troop stuff. He's helped direct some youth show stuff mm -hmm. when Walt was around. Anyway, so okay, just to clarify, Walt is not dead. <laughs> Walt's in Florida. Moved Who Florida. moves to Florida? He's on to a better place, Florida. Florida. <laughs> but his his presence is still here. He's on the board. Anyway, yes. that's another another tangent. Anyway, John Wilson. Yes, it's your first main stage show mm -hmm. directing. Mm -hmm. Um. You have an amazing cast for your first show. Um, I can't imagine Thank a you. cast of veterans <laughs> who would be more supportive than the oh, cast he has. Yeah. So I was really, really <laughs> excited when I saw who you had because I'm like, wow, this is a really, these are experienced, supportive people. Mm -hmm. How's it going? Good. I really wish that I hadn't had two years of COVID and not doing anything artistic uh, before I... Did this? It's been for the pre-production and development of the show. It's been very interesting, and some of this is in my director's notes because I've 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 changed a lot as a person over the last two years from when Pris asked me to direct this. Um, but as far as my actual directing skills, had I directed this when I was supposed to, I would have come off of having done youth classes for like five, six years very recently and directing stuff with Unmuted and a lot of stuff. So my directing skills would have been very sharp and I would have felt very confident about what I'm doing, whereas I feel like I've kind of had to relearn how I direct mm. um, my first time directing. So that's been an interesting challenge, but it's been wonderful. Again, I have an amazing cast. Um, that from the read-through, I was just so excited to see them in these roles. Um, and it's just been a real pleasure to, to take this show and be able to have a lot of fun with it because of the comedy, but also really be able to take all the, the dramatic uh, and truthful and weighty parts of the show very seriously and do them justice. And then also, behind the scenes, get to add in some stylistic things with lights and set that I think will aid the telling of this show uh, in, a, in a good way. And so I'm hopeful it all comes together. We'll see. You know, it's interesting that you said that because after I read your director's notes, mm -hmm. I was thinking, wow, isn't it God's providence that they had this gap and, and you are now coming at the idea of family mm -hmm. from a completely different place. Right. And I'm sure, I, I, I think it's best... Just for my own confidence, I wish it hadn't happened. But no, you, you, that's very true, because I mean, I've gotten married over the last two years, and I've, I have, so. Took them two years to get married? It was a long <laughs> that wedding. That was a long wedding. I know. Um, but I, when, when I first read this, well, no, not when I first read this, but, but when I was asked to direct this, I was, had been dating my girlfriend then, now my wife for probably like four months. Um, 
And I related a lot to Nick because the premise of the show, if you haven't heard or read thus far, um, is Nick has to leave um, his grandparents because of a promotion that's going to take him across the country. So for me, sort of stepping away from... I'm going to get, like, teary-eyed. Stepping away from my family, from Sam and Mom, who we'd all been a very close, tight-knit group because of our tragic backstory. Um, <laughs> but that was, very, that was very difficult for me, and I, so I was relating really heavily with Nick. Now on the other side, where I'm building my family, I feel like I can relate more to the grandparents and see it from a more objective standpoint and think about the idea of legacy. And then another thing that hit me unexpectedly hard in relation to this show was Pris's passing. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've never been one of the people where I like count myself as being someone who is necessarily close to Pris. But as I was just thinking back, there was quite a bit of time that we spent together in like the last five years of my life. And I helped her with quite a few things and a lot of menial tasks. And again, I say this in my director's note, but me being able to direct this show at all, I, I, I feel like I'm in sort of that directorial lineage of, of Pris, um, where she taught Walt, um, almost everything that he knew and, and Brad Garnett who runs HPA and is a big influence on me and how I direct, um, credits a lot of, of his growth as an artist to Pris. So much of it, it feels like is from that legacy. And so it hit me unexpectedly hard and then was doubly important to me to carry on that legacy of directing well that I've been trained up in and I hope I'm doing that. So okay. it's been a really long monologue. You didn't need that long an answer. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> so um, I'm going to flip over to John and John Miedema and <laughs> Kathy. Um, so the interesting thing that I look at this cast with is we have a first time director and of the four grandparents, three of them are people who have directed here at Master Arts multiple times. And Colleen has directed somewhere else, too. I yeah. Know she's at least done something at Middleville. So later. so you have all your grandparents are directors, three mm -hmm. of which have a long legacy and have directed multiple times here at Master Arts. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. How do you guys think he's doing? Oh, thanks for asking that last <laughs> podcast. Lovely boost for my confidence. Here we go. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, a lot of things that and, and, and just listening to John talk about, you know, the legacy of directing and um, where he gets his, you know, directing, um, I don't know, skills from and, you know, uh, basically who he's been mentored by, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, even, um, I've, I very much could see the influences um that like Pris, like he was saying, through other people even, um, very much fi find that it's very his directing style. <clears throat> excuse me, is very familiar and and um, based on good solid uh, technique. So um, it's it's been great. You know, it's it's not something where um, you're thrown into some totally new. 
which isn't a bad thing, but it's it's good solid directing technique, which is is wonderful after you've you know been experienced in you know um, acting and being on stage and directing. It's it's good to know that you know you're being led by a good good solid uh, director, um, and it doesn't necessarily feel like this is you know his first as far as I'm concerned his first time directing and me and I knew you know that too that he had like you said had helped direct you know some of the summer shows and the kids shows and other things too so I. I was not at all concerned going into this, you know. Yeah. I had complete, complete, complete confidence that John was going to do a wonderful job leading us down this lovely path. Um, an interesting, while you were talking though, an interesting thought I had about a correlation between what the script and the story mm -hmm. is that there's this struggle, um, in my view, between the grandparents trying they still they feel like they're still trying to teach nick hmm. um in the show what it means to you know to have a family to be you know be a man or whatever mm -hmm. you know to be an adult mm -hmm. and he's trying to tell them that he already knows mm -hmm. you know so i find an interesting correlation between you know John here as coming into and to those of us who yeah we were experienced we both in acting and directing the four of us um and I hope John that we have not been like okay do it our way you know oh our, no not at all um which great um but it's it's just the thought just hit me is like you know he's now as a director say hey this this is this is the way it's you know this is what we do this is how it's going to be this this is what I'm thinking it's going to happen and and we as you know we're like you know great and and he lets us have you know obviously input and stuff as every good director does so it's just been I just that correlation just struck me just struck to did <laughs> English is so hard um, just struck me that there's an interesting correlation between what's happening in the script and on stage and what's happening in real life with us mm -hmm. as experienced actors and directors and being led by John and his direction for the show. So, yeah. John Meadway, you want to add to that? After that, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to say, really? <laughs> I'm shocked. Um, yeah, no, I... I I can tell that he's very thorough. He's thought, you know, he's thought this through very, very thoroughly. Um, and it's very, um, I don't know what other term to use, but he's, he's really put a lot of effort and thought into not only the set, but, uh, you know, what he's looking for, how he's interpreting the characters. And um, he has a, he has a, a very, um, specific um, overall feeling of what this is all about and how he wants to, you know, how he wants to come across. And, that, and that's good. That's what a director does. I mean, and if somebody else was directing it, they may do it a little bit different, but that doesn't yeah. mean one is better or, or worse than another. And, and back to the, the Pris um, um, influence, 
uh, yeah, I, I can see little bits and pieces that that um, have come through. Yeah. Um, even for myself, I mean, I learned so much just being in plays, let alone yeah. going to her directing mm-hmm. classes and, and those kind mm-hmm. of things, but just listening and, and the little things that you pick up and, and, and even, even in this play, as I'm being the character, I'm, I'm using some of the, the things that she taught me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yes, he's very, I, very thorough. Well, and it's, I mean, I don't want to keep coming back to this, but but this is the last show of the last season that she was part of choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big weight to me. I remember... Yeah, you're the last director that she yeah. selected. And that w- that hit me... I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that. That hit me really really hard when I was going to our first blacking rehearsal, mm-hmm. which was also the same day as her funeral, which was very oh. interesting. Oh, that's right. And so I was driving back with my wife, and I was just like, "This is over the river and through the woods." Is like the last thing Chris asked me to help her with, and there's just been a lot of a lot of a, a weight there, and I actually have in my script binder the program from her funeral still to try and remind me that I'm like I'm carrying that yeah with me and that that's that's what we're doing justice to and 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 you know keeping that in mind for this show and then even as master arts goes into the future that that's yeah what we're carrying I mean she's sitting right here at the table with us for those of you who it's a, it's a podcast, it's a picture. So you can't it. see, but the the picture that was mm-hmm. that John uh, had at the funeral that he gave to Master Arts is here in the office. So she's kind of sitting here at the table with us. Um, and I hope that you know she'll be present with us for oh, some time to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about with y'all on this is. You know, when you look at this season, it was called the season of identity. And I think this is a perfect last show to do because we had Life Derailed, which was kind of about mistaken identity. Um, we had Best Christmas Pageant, which I look at that show and think that's about finding your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Really, that show is. Um then we had Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, uh, which dealt really strongly with racial identity. Mm-hmm. Then we had Hunchback, which I think the theme of identity is so strong in that. Yes. Yes. And for me, it's, it's identity through challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like whether it be deformity or whether it be trauma or whether it be racial, um, like with the gypsies. Or whether it whether it's through uh, rearing, you know, uh, which I think in in uh, Frollo and his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had these different looks at identity, but this is the one. This is the play that I think really strongly comes with the impact of family on identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
first with Sam. Because you're playing Nick. <laughs> oh no, I have to talk now. So, <laughs> so yeah, you have to talk now. I was enjoying and, listening and, though. And you have you have like this double thing because there's there's because I know that there's this really strong family bond with you and John and your mom, but there's also come some a little bit of you know, like how did John put it? Tragic backstory. Are we mm-hmm. gonna air our tragic backstory you live don't have on to, no. live on radio? No. Yeah, that, no. This is a good time to talk about <laughs> <You're not>. <laughs> But <laughs> Why are we both in this podcast? This is a terrible this idea. Is a bad idea. I'm sorry, Tim. Anyway. <laughs> so you have a strong you have a strong family bond in your own family, and that kind of transfers over to Nick. With his grandparents, hmm. so uh, Sam, I specifically want to know, like, what what of your own experience are you bringing to this role? Uh, I didn't expect to have to talk. To <laughs> <laughs> you're invited to be on a podcast, and you think you're not going to talk? Okay. I thought anyway. I just had to stand here and look pretty. They can't see you, Sam. <laughs> Thank God if you put me in the thumbnail. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm stalling. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay. We can edit this, too. Okay, good. <laughs> You'll be... Um, could you repeat the question? Yes. I'm sorry. So basically, what, what, of, what of your own life experience are you finding helpful when you approach the character of Nick? I'm not. Mm. There isn't any. That's like okay. There's not really any that I can think of. He's Nick is a lot different than I am. Yeah, that's Nick is. I'm pretty sure more of a left-brained person than I am. Mm. Nick is more. I'd say well put together than I am. He's very. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. Sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when you put brother. I know. Um, he's very professional and very. Stop laughing at me, John. <laughs> Don't have um, to point out that I'm laughing. I'm doing it quietly. Um, and he has a very clear path at what he wants to do. He wants to be successful in like a business. And marketing type of thing, which is kind of a very not artistic mindset like what I have. Um, I will say the wanting to make his life something of his own is something I sometimes feel like. Growing up as a younger brother, sometimes I do feel like I get a lot of just like your brother or following in his footsteps, even though I know that we're both very different mm-hmm. and very successful on our own. Mm-hmm. It just tends to sometimes be a little something I want to... Break out of. Break out of, yeah. yeah. Um, you could kill me, that would do it. I don't know, I'm sorry. It's late. Well, you All know... Right. <laughs> talking about that, it's really interesting because there's a certain group of people where John Sam's brother, <laughs> and there's another certain group of people where... Sam is John's brother. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're Sam's brother. I know the the group of people where John's getting that. 
Mm-hmm. I love you. Itself. It's new. and there's a whole another group of people where if you go and say, "Yeah, Sam Wilson," it's like, "Oh, that's John's brother." Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really interesting because you both are very successful in these different groups, mm-hmm. and and both of you have that. It's not like there's one or the other of you. Um, so going back to uh, John Miedema and Kathy. So the interesting thing is, I think. Are all four of you actually grandparents in real life? I know, I know, I know both of you are grandparents. Is Bob Carroll? I don't think. I know he's. I don't think Bob is. No, not not yet, or not maybe not yet. Do none of his kids have kids yet? I don't think so. And Kali, yeah, Kali's not a grandparent either. So parents, you and me, John, just. Well, I have, I, Why I do you think I picked you two to be? I have twelve of them, so maybe that'll <laughs> they can share a few. the grandparents. Really, you have twelve grandkids? Wow! Are they all around here? No. So I, have you had to deal? You've had to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Kids moving away. Um, when I read the script and when I auditioned, I, there's so many things in here that it's my life. Yeah. In in different aspects, but it's just it's there. Um, I was sharing with the rest of the cast. There's a part where my character is is got cancer, is dying of of um, prostate cancer. Well, that's I I was living with that fear because of elevated numbers, mm. um, and so that you know that really resonates with me. Um, the idea of um, moving away uh, from family. Um, I chose just the opposite of what Nick did in my own family because I felt obligated to stay and take care of my mother after she was widowed, and and um, I, I just I just felt obligated. So I I can you know there's that there's that connection. And there's so many other things in here that that just, you know, it's I, I can pull on my own experiences, so. Which has made for a wonderful performance that you should all come see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you, Kathy? Is there things that you're relating to as a grandparent? Uh, <laughs> nuts. Or were you still in denial that you're a grandparent? No, no, no. I love being a grandparent. <laughs> Here's here's the thing though is like um, my grandchildren are much younger, so yeah. not to the point where oh, I'm threatened with them gonna go off and you know leave or whatever or they you know they've becoming an adult and going off and leaving me. So a lot of what I'm drawing from is um, like my experiences with my grandparents and my parents and. Um, you know, that sort of thing a lot more than really me as a grandparent. So I find myself like I finding similar personality traits in Ida that like I found like in my my parent, my my mother and my grandmother. Um, that sort of thing. So I'm drawing on that to establish Ida. So that's been and it, and it gives you a different perspective of like thinking of yourself back then 
mm. like being next age and so it's like wow you know how did my grandparents feel about me as an adult you know and that sort of thing and my grandparents had um, many many grandchildren so whereas in this show we have we there's all we only have like a couple grandchildren mm -hmm. yeah. between the four grandparents and so we're really placing all our hopes on Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no the pressure. interesting thing too is is this whole jump a generation expectation thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Grandparents and Nick, where yeah. where where I'm more used to the whole empty nest syndrome, where it's mm -hmm. the right. parents and the kids going away. Right. Um, I find it interesting in this script that it's grandparents who have really pinned their hopes on a grandson. Right. And it kind of skips that generation. Right. I um. I have a, a a granddaughter that lives with us. Okay, and so, and and a daughter, and so there is a much stronger connection with that one granddaughter, obviously. Mm. And I, a few years ago, they decided they were going to move to another state, and uh, where my where another daughter was living. And I remember them packing up, and I remember mm. standing on the curb in our driveway, just mm. tears running down our faces as my wife and I watched them drive away. You know, it was it was it was tough because they had lived with us for so long that it was it was a toughie. So again, you know, it's life experiences that. That are this this play is written so well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because those are life experiences, mm -hmm. and I think another remarkable thing of how it's written is like everybody can instantly relate to this. Like everybody's going to take something away from it, even though the grandparents are so <clears throat> prevalent. Um, everybody can relate, and I don't think it's even going to be an even generational gap where oh, yeah. everybody who's 50 up will relate to the grandparents and everybody who's like 40 down will relate to Sam's character. I relate to many different aspects of, of a lot of them. Well, the interesting thing. personality traits come out and you're like, oh, I know somebody like that. Mm -hmm. or, yeah. or, or I am that. that. I am that person. Yeah. There's just so many genuine, like it's like you said, it was so well written, so so truly written that people are like, oh yeah, I so no person like that or I am that person mm -hmm. or the, the personality traits that have been written into this show are just genuine. And, mm -hmm. and, well, it's really you know. interesting that you say that, John, because I was out here putting together furniture for the set while you guys were rehearsing the mm -hmm. and listening and I'm like both, both identifying with both Nick mm -hmm. and your character mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. because I'm like, Wow, at the one point I'm I'm like I'm at a point in my life where I'm like trying to determine and make some real hard life choices. But at the same time, I'm also at that same point in life where my son only has one more year of college and he's talking about you know Washington DC or mm -hmm. you know even working for the ambassadorial corps overseas and I'm like holy cow I'm getting hit with all these emotions about my eldest son moving away mm -hmm. like you're like there was that scene that you're that you're not telling him what you should tell him to let him go um, so I, I think you're right John I think there's so many different life events 
mm-hmm. that are reflected in the different characters of this show mm-hmm. that go beyond grandparent, grandchild, mm-hmm. that everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Right. Um, and I and I also say you're right. Just hearing the one scene that you did tonight, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. um, I could he- I could hear the reality in yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's real. I mean, yeah. it's it's those are real emotions. I. It just happens. Um, yeah. Um, uh, another scene that I I really appreciate is the one where Frank is talking about where he goes back and he's you know all this 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 hatred for his father because of what he perceived that his father did to him mm-hmm. and he goes back home after his father is dead and and relives some of that but then finds out from his mother what really it was all about yeah and that his father was trying to give him more Mm-hmm. than he could ever think mm-hmm. and um, that hits home because kids and I, this is a general generalization but and I, I look back at my own life and I did it I do not under I did not understand at the time what my folks gave up for me mm-hmm. yeah and I know my kids didn't realize what we were giving up for them. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, some of them still don't realize it. But I, because I can remember, uh, I, I look back now and my, you know, my folks weren't wealthy. And, but they sent all their kids, they paid to put all their kids through Christian school. Mm-hmm. And that's not cheap. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, well, you know. Yeah. Then when I had kids of my own and I tried to do it, I went, oh, mm-hmm. that's why we didn't have the boats and the cottages and those kind of things. They gave up that so that we could have this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's yeah. partly why, because I think that's that sort of the, the generational differences is the conflict of this show that drives it, I think. And that's why, like, for me, one of the most important things in the show is something kind of simple and stylistic, but is making sure it feels very present day mm-hmm. in, in, in the style and the costumes and such. Because I think you're right. I think children don't always realize what their parents are giving up or what they're going through. I think there are some exceptions where they get glimpses, mm-hmm. um, especially yeah. if the whole family's going through some kind of shared mm-hmm. difficulty, but they don't. And I, and I think a lot of times... Two, in big life changes, it's hard for both generations to completely understand the experience of the other. And I think that's what has to happen in this show is that gap has to be bridged, um, which I think is most beautifully reflected in in where Nunzio gets to uh, with Nick that I don't want to go into too much on the podcast. But they have to be able to look at the differences and recognize that there are differences that aren't understood and be able to respect what what has to be done, I suppose, in the different stage of life. And I think that has to happen all across the board. And Nick has to do yeah. that as well. I think Nick's is equally as important to, to be able to under, 
uh, well, not understand, but respect, mm -hmm. you know. And it works both ways. Mm -hmm. um, the, the grandparents learning Nick mm -hmm. and learning, it's a different generation. Things are different. Yep. And you just, you know, again, pulling on my own life, you know, what my kids experienced were different than what I experienced. Mm -hmm different generation. What I'm seeing with my grandkids and their experiences are different than my experiences. Sometimes I can't, I can't fathom some of the things that my kids or grandkids have to experience mm -hmm. compared to what I experienced. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, that's, that's a tough bridge because you are, who you are is partly your experiences in life yeah. and, and how you were raised and, and, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, I never had to go to war. I was close to being drafted for Vietnam, but it was winding down by the time. And so I'd never got drafted. Mm -hmm. So I don't have that experience, but my dad was in World War II and some, in some of the worst fighting in the Pacific would not talk about it. Mm -hmm. Never would talk about it. He had that experience. I'm sure that affected him yeah. the rest of his life. That's, the, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, to bridge the, that between the generations is sometimes really tough because you're living life based on what you're experiencing and you don't understand what yeah. the other person experienced. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's kind of paradoxical because <clears throat> on the one hand, like you say, John, so many things have changed. Like, I, I just look back, and, and you know, I'm kind of in between, like we have the young people and the older people, and I'm kind of kind of closer to you guys, but I mean, I'm also in kind of in between. But I look back, and I think you guys can verify this, you know, things, the, just, just looking at culture and technology mm -hmm. and the radical differences that have happened just in... 50 years. Sure. I'd marvel at the leaps that I've taken in my place. In the fact, in 10 years, it's amazing. You know, the fact that I could, I could sit here and say, do you realize that cell phones didn't exist when I was your age? Right. I, the fact that I can say this, mm -hmm. you know, just, just that's one of so many different examples. But at the same time, I also look at what young people are going through and I'm like, yep. I, you know, I remember feeling completely invincible. Mm -hmm. I remember going through that stage 18 to 25-ish where I'm like, my parents don't know anything. <laughs> and then coming to a realization is like, wow, my parents really knew a lot more. So, mm -hmm. so like in that whole maturing process, there are things that I think we all go through mm -hmm. as we get older, as we go from, you know, child to teenager to young adult to adult to middle age. I think there's those there's those common things that we all relate to. But yet each generation has their own experiences like you were talking about. Like I can't relate to my grandfather's involvement in war mm -hmm. I mean I was in the military a little bit but I never had to face war mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and at the same time I see 
young people, you know, Gen Z and and millennials, there's a certain a stress level that comes with society and social media and stuff that I, you know, it's pretty easy for me to set my phone down and not look at Facebook for five days or not, not be on social media. So it's easy for me to dismiss the importance of it to... But to young people, that's like the way they live, mm-hmm. the way they connect. So, and I have a hard time relating to that sometimes. In fact, there was, <clears throat> I said something in a group chat today. It was like, because someone was mentioning, it's like, oh, it's cool how Tim can like hang out with us and relate to us. And I said, well, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm always entertained. <laughs> is what I said. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I think it's like going back to that. I think it's this weird paradox where all of us as human beings, as we as we go through life, have these common touch points. The mm-hmm. way, you know, these different time periods of time that we go through. But at the same time, we also all have completely different experiences. Um, so, last thing I want to ask, kind of the group, and anyone can speak into this, is. Is you know one of the things that's that's really I see in this play is that whole nurture versus nature argument and how our family has a big huge determining factor in the person that we become, good, ill, and everything in between. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you all kind of see that nurture coming through in the show in Nick's character, but also, I mean, also in the grandparents, because the grandparents talk about their own life experiences too. Mm-hmm. So where does that idea of family influencing your identity, where do you see that coming through either in your character or in the play as a whole. Anyone can jump in when they want. Something that I think is interesting is, and this kind of connects to the generational thing we were just talking about, Nick's live life is very different from his grandparents' life. But also, <clears throat> you hear... At the start of the play, from all the grandparents, the stories of how they built their life and what they had to do. Um, and that's some of the largest amount of backstory we get on some of the characters, is just how did they make a life for themselves um, and what, what that looked like. And I just think it's, in, it, it's interesting that a lot of the arc is bridging that gap but bridging that gap to a different version of the same condition that they were in. Hmm. It's just different. Um, Frank at the start says, I lived under a bridge after I was uh, shipped from Italy to America. I lived under a bridge, and then I became a carpenter's apprentice, and then I worked night shoveling coal. I bought a car, and I built a house, and I became a carpenter. And that's how I made a life for myself and my family. And Nunzio spent 27 years putting this nut into that bolt on a warehouse assembly line 
to make a life and to give his family the life that they deserved. Um, Ida made a home at the house. Emma was adventurous and awesome. Uh, <laughs> but now Nick is at that same place, but it looks so very different because of the culture that he lived in. Um, but that same struggle and identity is there from his family to make a life for himself and for his family. And that's a very American idea that has a lot to unpack on its own, on, on the goods and the bads. But it's, it's something that's at a core, I think, of their family identity. And, and Nick is working to do that in his own way, um, in the way that fits with his generation and his passions, um, in a job that his grandparents totally don't understand. But I think that cycle is interesting. To quote George Lucas about the Star Wars prequels, it's like poetry, they rhyme. But I mean, they, they, they do. I really like that quote, actually. I was not entirely being facetious. But they do. Their lives rhyme, but they're different. Right. I, and that's what I'm seeing, too, when you're talking about this. Like, each of them has nurtured in, in a slightly different way. They, on the surface, they appear that they all had the same really type of lives. Right. But, but their background backgrounds are different. And so they've chosen or they just naturally have different gifts in nurturing, I guess I would say. Um, you know, Frank has his way of you know, providing for his family, and and um, he's he's figured out on his own what family means. His father told him, you know, tango familia, and and Frank tries to explain what that means um, in his monologue. Um, uh, Nunzio and Emma, each because of their personalities, also nurture in different ways, and then Ida has her way of, of quietly nurturing. So each of them have different gifts that they express um, in nurturing family. And, and, um, um, and I think in the beginning, Nick doesn't realize, I think until he meets Caitlin, um, who comes from a totally different um, family experience. Um, how he's been influenced, how he's been nurtured mm -hmm. um, by each of those grandparents. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't even think um, he realizes it until long after he's left um, um, and gone off to Seattle and in Portland and um, how each of his grandparents has nurtured them in, in a different way and how he's been how that um, helped develop who he is, you know? Yeah. And he says that too, he's like, how, how can you, you know, how do you explain that? How, and how they, you know, let me, in a way, you know, it was like a struggle for the grandparents, but let me be the person that I chose to be. So it's, very, on the surface, in the very beginning, 
it seems to Nick that they're all the four grandparents are pretty much the same. But as you, and that through Nick's eyes, I think you see that they're each a little different and they each nurture in a different way yeah. and they each help um, nurture and develop Nick in, to where he feels that he can go and leave and become who he is. And, you know, and Which I think, his way. I think is the mastery of Joe DiPietro's writing of this mm-hmm. script is you can't pigeonhole people into a stereotype. Right. Is mm-hmm. you're forced to look at all four grandparents and realize that there is unique mm-hmm. experiences that have molded them the way they are. And each one of their experiences in turn is nurturing Nick into the man that he's going to become and the kind of family that he's going to have and the kind of way that he provides for that family. Mm -hmm. It's going to be completely different than what his grandparents did, but yet there's elements of influence and nurture that get passed on, even if it's it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the cool thing is that, yes, there's similarity but there's also individuality too is that each one of these people is their own unique created in the image of god but yet special and unique and different mm-hmm. and i think I that's think, really cool i think through this process too the grandparents have learned that too mm-hmm. yeah that, you know they had an idea of like what this means and i don't even think they realized that they came at it from different ways. which is until you know, he, you know, leaves and they each, yep, that's what he has to do. You know, and we haven't mentioned this, but I think this is a really interesting part of it is these are all Italian grandparents. Mm-hmm. Which my family will kill me for not having mentioned thus far that they're Italian. <laughs> the Italian side of my family will be like, why wasn't but this entire podcast? <laughs> they get so desperate they <laughs> introduce their, their to grandson to an Irish girl. <laughs> that's how desperate they are to keep him there. That's how they'll go outside of their own tradition <laughs> to do that. But I also think that 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 act in itself by the grandparents, in, you know, bringing this Irish girl into it, mm-hmm. also makes them open their eyes to the fact that it doesn't have to be their traditions that work. It can be something completely different. And I actually think that's an important step for the grandparents' Mm -hmm. growth is to understand, okay, Nick can have a family that's different. And that, too, I think they're, like, again, trying to teach Nick about what it means to be a doll and be a family. Yeah. um, So, yeah, they're... You know, in that, they're like, we just want you to see, get a glimpse of what that means. What it means, we don't necessarily want you to stay, you know, in our family, but know what, know what a family is. Know what that means. To, to Family is growth and progressing, and you don't just stay and say, you know... 
Do you think that's part of the reason why the grandparents don't want him to go so badly is because they don't feel they're done yet? Right. Yes. Definitely. It's like, you know, the way they see it, it's kind of simple for them. Until he gets married, they're not done with it. You know I mean? That's, and Nick says that later. It's like, I did the final, you know, the big accomplishment, the thing with my grandparents. I got married. You know, and spoilers, you know, Kathy. Come on, <laughs> it happens in the last five seconds. It's not, it's not the biggest. There's so much more moment. that happens before that you don't want to miss. But um, like the dog, I, you know, I I might <laughs> I might see it from a different perspective. I I'm not sure that. Um, how do I put it? Nunzio says something about what's important, what's, what matters is family. Everything else mm-hmm. is peripheral. What matters is family. Yeah. And I think the grandparents are seeing the family breaking up. Mm-hmm. There is no... And, and not that they, they want to hold them um, to, so they don't grow into their own individual persons, but... Their son and you know mm. daughter have moved away. Everybody's gone. The only thing they have left as family is Nick. Well, but I will say though, um, those other members of the family, they got married and they grew and they you know they had children and you know Melissa, who's Nick's sister, she got married. And she, you know, and she had children, so Nick is the only one who hasn't reached that pinnacle of achievement, you know, of getting here. So I think they do see that as the milestone that he has to cross, you know, to be to know what it really means, you know. And that if he was he also, if he was married, if he had started his own family, they'd feel better, like oh, okay. Yeah. But they, st- but they really. John's want- not sure. I, they really do want I'm pulling to- out my own experience well, I, here. But okay. I think they do want to keep him close because they want to see that they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part. It's like Frank event. says mm-hmm. when he's talking about his great grandchild. <clears throat> I've only seen him. Yeah, and then you, you know this many words. times, right. and the last time I seen him, he ran away from me because he he doesn't know who I am, mm-hmm. and and that hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, I think too personal here but just recently I made the, the, the decision to retire mm-hmm. next Friday is my last day of work oh wow so it's a whole time. new life a whole new chapter for me but part of the de- decision there's been, there was a number of things that were going on COVID hit me and that made me stop and think about the you know shortness of life mm-hmm. um but wanting to be a part of my grandkids' life so I can identify with when Frank says that. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of my grandkids' life. I don't want to all of a sudden be gone and my grandkids never mm-hmm. know who I am yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or I had no influence in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I see some of that in this too. You know, they want that. Mm-hmm. Now... They're willing to give it up mm-hmm. because they're trying to understand that that's pr- 
probably the best thing at this point for Nick. Or at least that's what he really, really wants. And they don't want to stop him from getting what he really wants because, because um, you know, it's about making your life mm -hmm. and making you happy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a combination. Which brings up a really tender point in that we can make choices with the hopes of connecting with our family. Mm -hmm. But they've got to make that choice too. Mm -hmm. Like, Nick has to make a choice. And you know we may we may make these choices about you know wanting to give more time to our family but and and I'm dealing with this myself right now with my with my adult son it's hard to say he's an adult son <laughs> um you know i can make myself available i can make mm -hmm. i can say you know i'm going to sacrifice these things to make sure that i have more time for my kids but if my kids don't make those choices. Mm -hmm. That hurts, you know. Right. But at the same time, it's also it's also you got to step back and say they're at a different point in their life. They're at a different. They they have to make the choices for you know the same thing that Nick's going through. Nick has said in the beginning of the in the play, it, it becomes obvious that he's going every Sunday as an obligation, mm -hmm. not because he wants to. Yeah. And I think one of the beautiful pieces of the journey that happens through this play is, and it's slightly tragic, but also beautiful and, and happy, is by the very end, the grandparents have come to understand Nick and give him what he needs from them and see him as an adult. But at the same time, by the end, and respect him, at the same time, by the end, Nick has finally gotten past seeing his grandparents as annoying caricatures who are out of touch and don't understand the world, and instead respects them as people and loves them for the people they are, mm -hmm. and by the end of the show, begins to care for those grandparents and foster those relationships that he has. Which, God willing, God willing that we all could have that mm -hmm. with our older generations and our younger generations. I was thinking earlier as we were talking, if we could only do that with everybody, mm -hmm. not just our own family, but oh, with yeah. everybody, understand yeah. that we're all God's creatures and mm -hmm. created in His image, and we all have unique backgrounds. Our personalities are because of many things that have happened in our lives. Mm -hmm. Blessings and, and challenges. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And good and bad in us. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you learn good and bad even from your parents. Mm -hmm. and, and you take on some of that. And then if we, would, if we would keep that in mind and understand that, we may be much, much less critical of other people. Mm -hmm. To remember that everybody experiences are valid. Because they do experience them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like a classic example for me is like, somebody wakes up at 6 a.m. to go to work. Another person wakes up at 4 a.m. to go to work. And they both complain about how tired they are. And the one who wakes up at 4 a.m. can either be like, well, 
You don't have any room to complain because I get up at 4 a.m. every day and I'm fine. Or the person who wakes up at 4 a.m. can stop and realize, well, for them, 6 is there early. And that's difficult. And I wish we could do that in every factor of life that doesn't just have to do with what time we wake up. Yeah. Where we could all just understand that every person's journey is different. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really easy for me to be critical of their journey because it doesn't look like mine. Right, right. Um, But when I take a moment and say, huh, I wonder why theirs doesn't look like mine. And I wonder how they're perceiving my journey. Then we can have that element of grace that you're talking about. And, you know, as much as we may have differences, which we all do from each other, there's a certain amount of sameness, too. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if you really, really get to know somebody intimately, you'll find that, you know, there's a lot of things that we have in common. That we, we can build bridges. Right. We all want to be loved. We all want to love. We all want, you know, there's a myriad of things that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're, we all experience that. It goes, we also are unique and we also have differing experiences. It goes back to that wonderful biblical paradox that God has created each and every individual unique and special, but yet we each carry the Imago Dei, the image of God right. in us. Right. So we're all connected as God's children, but we're also unique as well. Well, that's Sam. a great way to end, except for what? Sam. You haven't talked enough, so we're going to ask you a stupid question. Oh, fun. Shenanigan time. Also, first, quick, say the first word that comes oh. to your mind. I found lobster. Lobster? lobster. <laughs> Why lobster? I don't know. My brain just made an L sound, and then I was like, red lobster. <laughs> Is L its own word, though? Because if it made an L sound, could you have just said L? No. Is L a word? Are the letters of the sound. alphabet technically a word if you're, like, referring to the letter of the alphabet? If it's spelled with multiple letters, it's a word. If it's a... Well, no, that's L, I. There's I, L though. Isn't name? It can be if you do mm. E-L-L-E. Right. Mm, but it was more it's of also, a rule. It's also a magazine. Ooh. I don't know, but I'm Ooh. getting a headache. So, Ooh. Sam, if you could have <laughs> any one fruit or vegetable-based superpower, what would it be? And Why? It would be the ability to make random fruits and vegetables appear in random people's beds for no reason other than to cause chaos. Like wow, you this ever, is such a Sam answer. You ever just, you wake up, you turn over, it's a full zucchini. Why? You don't know. Can they be giant? Could you make a person-sized zucchini? Could I add that to the power? Sure. Yes, I want to make a full-sized human grape. So then you wonder, <laughs> why are you married bad. to a grape? And then you think you're in veggie. Why is you married mm-hmm. to them? So thank you all <laughs> for joining us on this podcast. We didn't um, get enough gonna... Sam shenanigans. So yeah, we really sorry, I got a work. Well, I'm I... certain that we will bring Sam back at another time. We will time. have a special comedy episode with Sam. Oh, no. And we'll just throw <laughs> random words at him and see what he But does. anyway... <laughs> Well, thank you all, John Minima, Kathy Van Lopik, uh, John Wilson, Sam Wilson. Um, hopefully this will be up before the end of the week and tickets are on sale now.
Um, you definitely want to check this out. It's very funny, which you don't really get from this podcast interview, but there's a lot of wonderful comedy in there. Yes, there is. So check it out, Over the River and Through the Woods, running June 9 through the 25th at Master Arts Theater. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Playing for the Master, a production of Master Arts Theater in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information about Master Arts, its productions, and its programming, visit www.masterarts.org. Please take note that the opinions expressed by the hosts or guests of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions held by Master Arts Theater as an organization. Again, thanks for listening.